let's talk about the fact that Star Trek and comedy are not necessarily something you immediately associate. In fact, it was Gene Roddenberry who, after seeing a rough cut of Trouble with Tribbles, said famously or infamously that Star Trek is not a comedy. Uh, and it was partially what led to, oh my god, Corey. Corey from San Diego Comic Con is here. How about that? Well, I thought we were going to go to San Diego. Look at that. Okay. There's a familiar face for all our many panels in San Diego Comic Con. Um, so, you know, and it infamously led to Gene Kuhn sort of partially the reason he left the show uh, was him and, and Gene fighting over, you know, how comedic is Star Trek. So my question to you, Darren, is how comedic should Star Trek be? You know, I think Star Trek should be as comedic as it ever got on the original series. Now, this is a little different than how comedic it got in the movies, and specifically the, you know, the original cast movies. Um, the thing about the comedy in the original series is that it, it, it was always in service of the character, not making fun of the character. Um, even with all the goofy things that happen in a uh, piece of the action, for example. Um, it's not because our characters are doing something stupid. It's because our characters are merely, you know, fish out of water. And they're trying their best because they're really good at what they do. But contrast that with how the characters are acting in Star Trek IV, when they're absolutely idiots. I mean, you know, Kirk and Spock can barely get on a bus, right? And this is just sort what of What does exact change mean? I mean, I mean even, even, you know, addled, brain-removed Spock knows what exact change means. I mean, he still knows how to speak, doesn't he? I mean, you know, Q, tell me, you're prosecuting and judging this panel right now. <laughs> That's correct, isn't it? I mean, the, you know, mankind is better than that, and Star Trek is better than making fun of our characters. David? Wait, you didn't like Star Trek Four? Actually, I don't. Oh my God! Yeah, I, well, I'm the bad guy. I'm just gonna chill. <laughs> I, I uh, you know, it's. I mean, I. Let's bring Nick Meyer out. Please do. <laughs> I mean, I kind of agree with Aaron. I don't agree about Star Trek Four. I think that um, I think that there's a there's a different thing. There's a different reason Star Trek gets now gets associated with comedy um, because. Uh, a lot of the original series is bad. Um, oh, you know what? You ain't seen nothing yet in terms of me hating something. Uh, I wrote a line in my Futurama episode where Fry, the main character, is trying to, Star Trek's been outlawed in the future, and he's trying to get Leonard Nimoy's head to admit he was on Star Trek, and he says, you know, 79 episodes, about 30 good ones. And, and, and I think that, that there's some, some there's a big chunk of Star Trek that is overacted and overdone, and it's one of the reasons why we do why it gets spoofed so much. Is not the good, the good Star Trek doesn't get spoofed. Tribbles really doesn't get spoofed. City on the Edge of Forever does, but you know Spock's brain. I mean, it's bad. Spock's brain doesn't mean to be spoofed, but it's funny. It's funny looking back on. It. Um, but I mean, I agree with what Darren's saying that the. When they took them, when the show took itself seriously and played comedy, it worked. Uh, you know, trouble with tribbles. The, the, the stakes of trouble with tribbles is Kirk might get in trouble, like with his boss. 
Like that's, those are the emotional stakes of that show and he's worried about his job. And that sort of connects Trouble with Tribbles with, with The Office. Like that's what, that's, that's where the comedy of that show comes from because everybody in it is playing it that seriously. So David, could Nils Barris have been a character on The, uh, on the Office? I don't see why not. He was the Michael Scott of the 23rd century. He, he could definitely work for Dunder Mifflin Corporate. If, uh, if, if uh, you know, it, it's interesting though, like, and let me just say, I, I, I love Star Trek IV. Um, <laughs> Too many people do. I just wanted to say, going back to the beginning, from the first pilot of Star Trek, uh, The Cage, um, with Jeffrey Hunter as the captain, I think William Shatner coming in and what he added to the role, like just his charisma and just that he kind of could, could bring comedy, I think that gave so much and, and let them have personalities. And I think that, you know, that contributed a lot to, to the comedy that fit within the, the TV series and in the movie. Well, That's a great point because Jeffrey Hunter was never a laugh riot. It's among, among Shatner's first lines is he's jabbing at Spock. Terrible having bad blood like that. I mean, that's you know that's funny. He he brought he brought that sort of devil may care kind of attitude that makes it a little more fun. I, I think that, you know to me the, the biggest thing with, with Star Trek and comedy is that as a fan, like even you know even when the stakes are, are crazy, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, when you know they, the ship has just been, been you know attacked, uh, people have been slaughtered. And all of a sudden, you know, they're like, where are these coordinates that lead to? We can beam down to this, you know, this asteroid in space. And, and Bone says, what if those coordinates, what if those coordinates lead nowhere? And, and Kirk says, well, then this is your chance to get away from it all. And it's, it's that levity, I think, that undercuts and, and it's enjoyable, you know. Well, I want to ask um, Jesse about that, specifically about Shatner's facility with comedy and screwball comedy. But before I do that, I realize it's been over 10 minutes and I have not plugged my book yet. So, <laughs> I, want, I want to make sure, because I, I failed to introduce myself at the beginning of the panel, you wouldn't know I've been doing these for 20 years. Uh, I'm Mark A. Altman, author of The 50 Year Mission, which has been on sale for the last year. Um, it's a history of, of Star Trek, and oral history of Star Trek. Um, Two volumes. And I, I, I won't sit here and talk about how great it is, but I will talk about greater minds than I, such as your, partner in crime, Seth McFarland, and of course, oh, Jesse Alexander's quoted here as well as the book list in Publishers Weekly. But um, I'm very proud of these books, and if you haven't read them, I hope you will check them out, um, and you can get them wherever books are sold. They're amazing Amazon. books. I just got to say, the second one in the series that talks about uh, Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and Enterprise and stuff is one of the best books ever about creating and writing and just building a television series. Just you know, I'm all out of cash. You realize that. It's been all in the dealer's room. Incredible. But thank, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um, uh, it does also uh, cover um, briefly Free Enterprise, which was, you know, my project with finding out how, uh, what a genius at comedy Shatner was. Because when we hired him to do Free Enterprise, you know, he was doing bad Jeff Speakman movies at the time. It was really before Third Rock. That's redundant. You Third Rock of the Sun and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and we really felt like the Shatner we'd seen on Fridays and Saturday Night Live. That, you know, he was a brilliant comedian persona, and a large part of him doing that movie because it was a chance for him to be funny. Now, I, part of that was we heard him sing when he seen the sky with diamonds, so we knew how funny he could be, <laughs> inadvertently or not. Um, but Jesse, my, my question for you is, you know, was a large part of the success of Star Trek 
He's in Trouble Tribbles, I Mud, He's the Action. Shatner, is it a reason you think that the later shows didn't do, I mean, Next Generation really doesn't have uh, a great comedic episode. Um, if you look at Voyager, there's not a, a, a significant comedic episode at all. I'll ask David about why sort of Enterprise never, you know, uh, really dives into the comedy well. For me, the, the Shatner is, a, I love Shatner. So that original series is the greatest. I love it like crazy. But one of the reasons he's so funny is because he has Leonard Nimoy and DeForest Kelly, and there's that, kind of, yeah. for me, the holy trinity, emotionally, and the way that they interact with each other, there's a warmth and humor and relatability and, and relevance to the way that I think a lot of us interact with our own friends and families. So I think there certainly are the, the jokier um, parts of Star Trek, like, you know, maybe Harry Mudd is a little out there, or you know, some of some of that stuff. And I just wrote Harry Mudd and uh, Discovery, so um, which is super cool. Um, but I think also just the humor part of it is the way that for me those three guys interacted with each other, and the way that they could be warm and loving and still kind of screw with each other, and that that for me grounded that show in something that I recognized. Yeah. And now. You know, I would ask you certainly about the comedy and enterprise issue, but also it, it's ironic because people don't think of Star Trek as a comedy, yet when you ask somebody who's never seen Star Trek, what episode should I watch to get in the show? More often than not, people will say Trouble with Tribbles. Sometimes they'll say Sitting on the Forever, but most often they'll say Trouble with Tribbles is the episode you should watch. And, you know, it's so associated with Star Trek, and yet people say Star Trek isn't a comedy. Well, I think that the reason the sequel series never really went to comedy is because they were, it started off with Roddenberry, and Roddenberry didn't want to do comedy, and, and McBurman really did want to carry on that um, that tradition. Like, he was very serious about carrying on Roddenberry's view of things. So I, I think that was the main problem, honestly, that, that they weren't ever going to address it that way. And, and certainly, I mean, they hired me on Enterprise because they thought they were wanted to do more comedic episodes, and then I got there, and it was clear they didn't. Um, and maybe they didn't think I was funny, but um, uh, the uh, you know that they were locked into a format that didn't allow you know in certain ways the original series was creating a format, and they tried lots of different things because it, nothing like that had ever been done. And there was a lot more interesting, a lot more ex uh, experimentation because you had freelance writers coming in and pitching, and and those those you know they would write a script, and then you had Gene Kuhn, who clearly had a facility for comedy that he was injecting a lot of it into the show, and then once the sequel series came around, I think, and you know more about this than I do, but I think that they were sort of locked in to a perceived format that Roddenberry had, and that then his uh, successors. Absolutely, and you know, while we're talking about comedy Star Trek, it's been a while since I mentioned my book. Uh, uh, you know, comedy obviously in Star Trek is so much a, pop, a part of pop culture. Uh, the, one of the legendary Saturday Night Live skits is not only Chatner's Get a Life, uh, which is you know sort of a brilliant sort of parody of Star Trek conventions, but the original Jim Belushi skit. Uh, John Belushi. Uh, the what? John Belushi. Uh, did I say Jim Belushi? <laughs> you don't know how brilliant Jim Belushi could be. I saw him at Twin Peaks. He was great. But uh, no, in, in uh, John Belushi, uh, brilliant, um, you know, skit in the in the early mid 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 seventies. 
that's how much Star Trek comedy is a part of popular culture. Um, in The Office, you, uh, David, had mentioned Battlestar Galactica became something very popular, but it was originally going to be Star Trek that the, uh, Rain Wilson, ironically, would have been obsessed with. Well, I mean, it's not so much that he originally, you know, when I, when I met with Greg Daniels at the beginning of, uh, of the, the series, we, I had seen the pilot, and, you know, there's a $6 million man reference in the pilot, that uh, Steve Carell does a, a $6 million man uh, impression, runs bionically, and, and we had just talked about things that Dwight would like, and, and it was clear that Star Trek was, you know, fit into his, into his universe, and I said, oh, that's even, like, too cool for Dwight. Like, he needs something even smaller, niche, like Battlestar Galactica. Um, but it's, you know, I think that there are there are a few Star Trek references, you know, throughout uh, The Office. And, and certainly, I mean, it is, it, you know, it's interesting, like, they're both, like, ensemble shows. The Office, it, it, in a sense, you, you have this crew. Have you, have you guys ever seen the, the kind of mashups where you see, like, the cast of one show and then they're, you know, in uniforms and stuff like that? And, I, I've seen I've seen one of the office where they're like the Simpsons to run like the Simpsons. And I, I know I've seen them as Star Trek characters. Well, you you had that chance with Futurama, David, to sort of do a love letter to Star Trek, but at the same time do something very funny. And it never fell into parody. It really was sort of an ode to what you loved about Star Trek, and it's still you know hysterical without insult being insulting. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about. Where that came from well, and how I, you ended up doing that. I mean, I think the sort of things you're talking about, I mean, Star Trek sort of passed into popular culture um, in a way that uh, it, has this, it has this kind of familiarity to people who aren't even Star Trek fans because it, it, it's so huge. So many people watch Star Trek who, you know, there are those of us who are giant fans, but it spreads out from there. Plenty of people have watched Star Trek just because it, it was on and it was good and, and, um, and so then when you, when you, you, the kinds of stuff that I did in the, in the Futurama episode was um, really referencing, you know, some of the things that have been parodied so much, so Kirk's facility with women, um, you know, which has been sort of, you know, parodied so much because it, it and if you watch Star Trek, and this goes, goes to something people were talking about about Shatner and his acting, even when the, even when there's no lines of dialogue where Kirk is flirting with a woman, He's flirting with a woman. Like, the look, you know, he's got this look and he's looking at him and it's like, there's no dialogue It's called here. the male gaze. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, that ends up being something that you end up making fun of, um, but, but in a very sort of sweet way. Because, it, again, it's why we love to watch. I mean, you're sort, of, you're sort of taking those things that end up getting parody, but you're sort of, you're not saying he's a terrible actor. Sometimes it's, but you know, and 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 I think that that that's that's sort of the line you walk. It's like you celebrate it without insulting.